reading this morning is from John 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Yes, Jesus, my storage is empty and I am available to you. My storage is empty and I am available to you. We are in the fifth week of our beloved community series. We're talking and diving in the farewell discourse of John 13 through 17 and examining the message Jesus is laying to his beloved community. Chapter 13, we looked at ways of the beloved community and we also looked at how it is different way. We then traveled to chapter 14 and looked at Jesus being the way to the Father and also the way to peace. This week we began chapter 15 and in this chapter 15, we find the last of Jesus' seven I am statements. The book of John, in this last analogy, Jesus is making a declaration to his disciples that, that helps them even in the midst of their absence. And I believe this will help us this morning. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for the privilege and honor to share with you this morning. Father, you we thank you in advance. You are the potter, we are the clay. Mold me, shape me, make me, break me to what you need me to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Speak to my, through our minds, love with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, all God's children say amen, amen. So good to see everyone pushing through the snow this morning and we, what we enjoy seeing you all here online. Uh, our scripture this morning, our focus text this morning, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, I will bear, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. I just want to preach this morning from the declaration of dependence, the declaration 
of dependence. As Americans, a nation that value independence, we have been taught as children to be independent and to teach our children to be independent. This helps us stand up on our own, not having to depend on systems and others to move forward in this life. Dependency is something that many of us see as the, as the enemy to independence. But true independence requires dependency and interdependency. One of the most important aspects of our faith is our relationship with God. And that requires us to be dependent upon God and to be dependent upon each other. In Matthew 6 and 9, God calls his children, calls us his children. He is the father. The children have to depend on the father. In Matthew 25 and 34, God is our king. We are his subjects. The subject have to depend on the king. Psalms 24 and 1, God is our creator. We are his creation. The creation have to depend on the creator. Psalms 23, God is our shepherd. We are his sheep. The sheep have to depend on the shepherd. Grace seated even in our independence. We are dependent upon God and we are interdependent upon people. Grace City as an independent church, we don't answer to an outside entity to support our church, but our independence is with dependency of God and interdependency upon one another. The enemy to our independence is being dependent upon the wrong thing. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> the enemy <laughs> of our independence is being dependent upon the wrong thing. Great City, when you are dependent upon the right thing, you will find true independence. When you are dependent on the right thing, you will find the right help. That's why the psalmist says, he will be a present help in a time of trouble. When you are dependent upon the right thing, you will find the right trust. That's why the Proverbs writer says, trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. When you're dependent upon the right thing, you can find the right protection. That's when the God says, I am the Lord your shepherd and you shall not want. When you are dependent on the right thing, you will find the right peace. This is why the Bible says he will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on him. When you are dependent on the right thing, you can find yourself depending upon God and interdependent upon one another. Here we are in the text this morning. We find Jesus addressing his beloved community. The disciples, they are the last hour and his followers are getting ready to be without him. He is teaching them how to be independent, but dependent upon God and interdependent upon one another. Seven times Jesus, Jesus, seven times Jesus got practical with his audience by giving them an analogy to let them know that he is the one you must depend on. And John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. He said, you can depend on me to sustain your spiritual life. He says in John 8 that I am the light of the world. You can depend on me to guide you even in a dark place. He says in John 10 that I am the door of the sheep. You can depend on me to protect you even when you're following me. He says, I am the resurrection. John 11, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. You can depend on me to have the final word over any kind of death. He says in John 10 and 11, I'm the good shepherd. He said, you can depend on me to take care and watch 
over you. He says in John 14 and 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can depend on me to be your way to the Father. And then here we are in the text this morning. John 15 and 1, he says, I am the true vine. And Jesus says that you can depend on me as the way to dependency. In this seventh analogy, church, Jesus is describing the believer's relationship with Christ. Again, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his absence and he's getting ready to go. Judas has already left to go betray him. Everything is in motion for the most horrific death in history. And Jesus lets the Jewish audience know that I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. This analogy would have brought to memory an idea of Israel as being a vine. You know, this would come to mind, what would come to mind is Psalms 80 and 8, where he says, you transported, transplanted as a vine from Egypt, and you drove out the nation and planted it. It would have come to mind for this Jewish audience that Jeremiah 2 and 21, he said, like, like a choice vine, a sound and reliable stock, how then you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? It would have come to mind for this Jewish audience when he said, I am the vine, Hosea 10 and 1 and 2. He brought forth fruit for himself as his fruit increased. He built more altars in his land and prospered and he adorned his sacred stone. Their hearts is deceit and now they must bear their guilt. Israel is the vine that God freed and gave their independence out of Egypt. In their independence, they grew wild and they eventually produced fruit for themselves and built altars to other gods. In other words, they lost their dependency upon God. They did not stay attached and they did not become fruitful. They failed to produce good fruit and they became unfaithful vines. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. He says, Israel's apostasy had made it an empty vine and Jesus says, now I am now the true vine. He's distinguishing himself as the vine. He's distinguished himself as a perfect vine as opposed to an imperfect vine. He's distinguished himself as a genuine vine as opposed as a counterfeit vine. The final vine, the only source for spiritual sustenance, Jesus is establishing and saying, I am the true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Jesus is the fullest realization of the hope of Israel, offers expectation of what God intended for her to be. Israel was a failure, but Jesus came as the true vine. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one. He says the father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser's role is to remove the branches that are not true, truly attached and not bearing fruit. And he prunes the one that are, being fruit, that are bearing fruit so that they can bear more fruit. I believe Jesus uses this practical analogy for his Jewish listeners, but also for you and for me to understand the Jesus declaration of dependence. This dependence is simple. I am the father and the father is in me. I depend on the father and the father depends on me. And Jesus says to his audience, that same dependency, that relationship of the father, if you have that dependency on me and I can have that dependence, I should have that dependency upon you. Jesus is making a declaration of dependence when this dependency upon God and this dependency upon one another. Jesus says three things should be manifested when we are operating out of the declaration of dependence. The first thing I find is, uh, I'll find three things, but the first word, um, I'm, I've been preaching for 20 years now, so I, I get to make up words as a preacher now. So the first word we find here is remainfulness. 
<laughs> this is a pre I've been preaching 20 years now. I, I can make up words now. So the first word I see here is remainfulness. Look at verse 4 through 7. Remain in me as also remain in you. So no branches can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. Whether such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, I ask whatever you wish and you, it will be done for you. Listen, church. Out of these four verses of scripture, the word remain is used eight times. The word remain here means to abide, to continue, to fix, or to endure. Jesus says to his disciples, continue in communion with me. This relationship does not continue without endurance. Let me say it again. He says, I want you to continue in relation with me, but this relationship does not continue without endurance. This relationship does not continue without endurance. Jesus understands what's coming next in a few hours. Judas, Judas will, is betraying, will betray him, but he says remain. Peter is about to deny him, but he says remain. The crowd is about to crucify him, but he says remain. Jesus knows when the trouble comes, there's those who are attached and those who are detached. In other words, to be attached as a Christian is one dependent upon Jesus Christ. This, this dependency does not happen through our own strength. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be attached to Jesus in our own strength, but it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. We must allow the Holy Spirit to be in control of our lives every day in order to remain attached to Jesus. Our attachment to Christ can't be based on our feelings. Let me say that again. Our attachment to, to Jesus cannot be based on our feelings. There is nothing that's about to happen after this conversation that feels good. Ah, y'all just missed it. I said, there's nothing that is about to happen after this conversation that feels good. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get in really hard. As a matter of fact, every person that is participating and watching is headed to being traumatized and Jesus tells them to remain. They are getting ready to experience the most traumatic experience in their lives in the history. And Jesus has the nerve to say, remain. Remain in union with God. Remain in community with one another. Jesus is making clear that remainfulness is true attachment, not looking attached. You have to be, see, we get the idea of detached. But there's, the problem is not, you can identify the people that are detached that's not connected with God. But there's three types of people. There's the detached, there's the looking attached, and there's the truly attached. And the text is dealing with, we get what happens to those who are not attached. But he starts to deal with those two, the ones that look attached and those who are truly attached. See, you can attach yourself to Christ in your flesh, but you can only be rooted in Christ through the spirit. They just missed that. Let me talk to this side. I said, you can... Attach your Christ through, your, through, through the flesh, but you can only be rooted in Christ through the Spirit of God. 
both those who are truly attached and those who look attached will determine by the vine dresser. Ah, see, see, <laughs> see, if you really want to know <laughs> if you're attached, you really don't know until you've been through something. <laughs> see, see, we, we, we want to act like we got this all control. We read our little Bible and we do all our little stuff. But when the vicissitudes of life happen, that's when you know whether you attached or really, 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 truly attached. Both those who are truly attached and those who look attached will be determined by the vine dresser church. The father shows the relationship between, Jesus uses this idea of vine dresser because the relationship with the father and the son, he wants you to understand that, that the father cares about the son. He cares about the vine. The vine dresser is the one that plants, fertilizes, and waters the vine. But the primary role is to see that we see in the text is the father remove branches that look attached and broom branches that are truly attached. Uh, this is the problem. Neither one feels good. The text says he prunes or he cuts them back so that they can grow. Can I park here for just 30 seconds for some folk? Because I know some of us are in a pruning process. And the, the danger in a pruning process is that we can get so uh, focused on the pain that we fail to see that God is growing us in the process. See, there's no, we know it in, in health, there's no gain without pain. And yet the pruning process, uh, let me acknowledge it. It's painful, but it's necessary. The far, but, but, but what makes the pruning process great? It's literally surgery, church. But you've got the most compassionate, loving, graceful surgeon cutting you that knows every part about you to make you grow. His intent is to cut you so you can grow. He says the father is the vine dresser. If you got to get cut, Lord, you cut me. He says the vine dresser cuts those who are attached to him. Why? So that we can grow, that we can be better. Praise City, the cutting is necessary. But what this cutting does is strengthens and grow our relationship with Jesus. Jesus tells disciples to remain because remain doesn't feel good. He tells them to remain because it's necessary to get through the trials of life. Those who are not really attached will be separated and withered away. In order to sustain in this world, one must attach themselves to the source. Grace City, as the beloved community, we must have a sense of remainfulness. Remaining in Christ. We can do supernatural things, and we don't do it through our own strength, but we remain through the Holy Spirit. Why? When you remain full, you're connected to Christ. When you remain full, you're dependent upon Christ. When you remain full, you continue because of Christ. My challenge for each and every one of you in this word remain is stay in the pruning process. 
And don't you fall away. Don't you quit because it hurts. Because if you would just stay a little while, you will see your God bring you through and you will see the growth. Rashima and I was uh, at Coppin's reunion last night and we met each other on Coppin campus 29 years ago. And, and listen, listen. Thank you, thank you all, thank you all. But I wish I could tell you the 29 years of pruning. <laughs> the things we had to go through to get to where we are right now. And I wouldn't take it back one bit. She might would, but I definitely know I'm a stronger, better pastor because of the pruning process, church. So the first thing we see is God calls them to be uh, remainful. But the second thing I, I see in this declaration of dependence is to be fruitful. That's a real word too, y'all. Fruitfulness is a real word. Verse 8 and 9, here it is. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you, command, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I kept my Father's command and remain in his love. Grace City, fruit in this passage is the indicator of what you are attached to. Fruit is produced through God's command and God's love, good fruit. Following Christ only comes from being connected to Christ. Fruit represents what you are connected to. If you're connected to a bad, fruit, a bad vine, you'll produce bad fruit. If you're connected to a good vine, you'll produce good fruit. Trees that don't bear or it's cut down and placed in a fire, but if you're connected by the root, then there should be some fruit. Let me say it again. If you are connected by the root, there should be some fruit. But this is the mistake, Bob. The mistake we make is that in our humanity, we equate fruit with outward success. The problem with equating fruit with outward success is that, Bob, I have been around long enough to know that you can be a public success and still be a private failure. The fruit that Jesus talks about is not an external. He's talking about an internal fruit. See, basing fruit on the outside is circumstantial fruit. We like that kind of fruit because you can post that on Instagram. But the fruit that comes from being dependent on Jesus is internal and external, internal and eternal fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We don't post that on the gram. But that's what is Jesus gives when we are dependent upon him. Those who live in this fruitfulness have the privilege a living life because that fruit glorifies God. I, I, I'm, I'm, some folk in here right now, I, you, you look at me in the face and I, I've been in their houses and they got some of the most difficult news and, and I've watched them produce fruit, the, the, the fruit of the spirit, patience, kindness, and in, 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 in the most turbulent times. But I'm not, I didn't get permission so I wanted to call them out. But the, but the ultimate privilege of the believer is to live life to glorify God. 
And when we glory, do we glorify God by those internal fruit, the fruit for eternity? We glorify God by following his command and remaining in his love. But it's the fruit that comes out of the believer that's so great. Listen, listen, y'all. I had the privilege uh, with my daughter as she's progressing in the sport of basketball and raising three kids that have played sports. I can be honest with you. Uh, let, me, let me take my time with this. Uh, I can be honest with you when you are raising children that only 1% get the privilege and the opportunity to, 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 to move in that arena. I have seen straight up evil. I have seen straight up evil. And I'm gonna be honest with you, for Rashima and I, there are times that I can honestly say I thank God they don't have cameras in some places because you wouldn't want us to be your pastors. Because it's, it, it, it was hard, it was a hard process. But the thing I've loved, y'all, the thing that I fell in love with is as I'm watching my daughter go through this process, I can see this fruit. Patience, perseverance. I just see the fruit of the Spirit. And although people were doing their thing, I could sit back as a father who understands the scripture and say to my daughter and know it in my mind, you're doing the work to glorify the Father. I don't know what the outcome is, but I know that God is pleased with your fruit. Great City, I come to tell you that there are, there are turbulence in this life, but the turbulence in the circumstances of life and the things that happen in life doesn't determine what kind of fruit you can produce. To produce patience, love, kindness, that's always in us. No matter where life takes us. I don't know what I'm talking to this morning. But maybe you need to understand something. That this moment, this cutting, this pruning, all of this stuff you're going through. Listen, there is fruit that's going to come from this. There is fruit that's going to change somebody else's life. That God is preparing for you. Listen, hear these words of Peter. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory in Christ, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The first thing we see manifested from Declaration of Dependence is remainfulness. The second thing I see is fruitfulness. But here's the last thing, and I, I, I really think... Uh, we don't get this church. And I'm so glad they put verse 11 in the text because y'all have read this, ain't never seen it before. Here it is. The third thing I see is joyfulness. <laughs> One of the problems I have, not, it's not my notes, is we got to understand even in our pruning, the pruning process doesn't steal our joy. We have to learn to have joy in our process. Here it is, verse 11. I've told you this so that you may have joy, may, so that my joy may be complete in you, that your joy may, that, that, let me read it again. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The Lord promises to impart in our lives 
He permeates and controls the lives of those who walk in fellowship with Jesus. Jesus says he came so that you may have joy. He said, now listen, church, we're in verse seven, in, in chapter 17. You, we will, we're going to preach on this, but you, this is in chapter 17. You got to hear the words of Jesus in, in, in John 17. That's really the Lord's prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven is not the Lord's prayer. Our Father, that's not the Lord's prayer. He said, that is how you should pray. That's not the Lord's prayer. John 17 is the Lord's prayer. John 17. But in, in, listen to verse 13 of it says. He says, but I, now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may, watch this, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus prayed in his prayer that his joy would be fulfilled in each and every one of us. That was his prayer. David, in one of his darkest moments, church, in Psalms 51, and 51, he had done something terrible, and he wrote a prayer, Psalms 51. But verse 12 says this. He says, he asked God, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He said, give me back the joy of my salvation. Can you remember when you first met Jesus and the joy that you had? Do you remember that, that moment? He says, David says, restore that joy. A story is told of one afternoon of a man who spent all day cleaning his only, his cleaning, cleaning up the house. I mean, he spent all day cleaning this house. He just left the house for about an hour came back, and when the man came back, the kitchen was a hot mess, y'all. Dirty bowls, utensils were everywhere. Counters, I mean, the counters were awful. This man walked home, um, and he was heated. And when he walked, he, he looked, and he, as he was looking, he looked around, he said, what happened? What in the world? You know that feeling, Rashim. What happened? And all of a sudden, there was a note in the middle of all of that mess and it had smudge of chocolate on the note and the, and, and, and the message said, I'm making you something, daddy, and it was signed, Angel. In the midst of the disarray, irritation, joy suddenly sprung up in, her, in his heart. His attention had been redirected from the problem to the, to the little person that, she that he loved so deeply. As the father encountered his daughter in a brief note, he delighted in her. The father could see the hand of his daughter at work in the situation. And everything that was so disastrous went away. That same thing is with our joy with the Lord, church. Many times life seems messy and we can't find happiness in the circumstances. But if you look hard enough, you can see the Lord behind this all working and working through, letting you know that he loves you. You know, one of the best parts of Bob and our job, honestly, is when we get to walk with people through life. I know for me, Meeting people at their most difficult moment is what I love about my job so much. You know, I've had the privilege in this career to walk with people through life through some 
very, very hard things. But I've also met some of my greatest heroes by walking with them. You know, one of my heroes I want to lift up that I've been walking with and we've been walking with as a church family and a community is Janelle and Jasmine. Jasmine has been sick for some time and she's been on this journey for, for a while. I connect with them pretty, week, pretty much weekly and we do, we do a prayer. But what's amazing about this church, and I don't want you to miss this, is that this moment in this diagnosis and this struggle that they're dealing with is always there. But when I talk to Jasmine and Janelle, they have this moment in their relationship where every night they come together and they hug and they connect. And guess what? Janelle says to me, she said, that moment, that moment right there is what makes the difference in all of this. I believe Janelle and Jasmine is the model of the connection between the father and the son. And not only that, but it's the connection of the being dependent upon one another and being dependent upon God. The other day, Janelle said to me, she said, Pastor Coy, I have so much joy. <laughs> because we have each other. Problem's not gone away, but we have each other. She said, well, I have my family, I have my church family, and I have my God. She says, Pastor Corey, I love you. I love Grace City Church. Thank you for all you've been to us. By the way, I did get permission to tell the stories. Church, listen, all of us have a pruning process. Everybody in this room, y'all look so good. Y'all don't look like y'all going through nothing. But everybody in this room is going through something. But this is the thing. Be remainful. Be fruitful. And here's the third one, y'all. Be joyful. Get back the joy of your salvation. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm saying it's available to you. Hey, there it is. Come on, worship team. It's available. There is nothing that life brings that joy is not available. There is nothing that life brings that can't produce fruit. And there is nothing that, here it is, that, that doesn't allow you to remain. I'm not making it up. I'm here, I'm closing. Come on, come on. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angel nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. <laughs> 